On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we are joined by, it's a crossover pod, like back in the days when like Chicago Hope and ER or Facts of Life and uh, Different Strokes or the Jetsons and the Flintstones, we're doing it with the, the Deep Dive pod um, and Andy Malter. So we really just do a lot of NFL talk. Um, and, you know, Rufus and I, unfortunately, get into some politics at the beginning. So if you want to skip past that, we have no problem with that. And with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another edition of the Bet the Process podcast. It's the post debate edition where we see if I can interrupt Rufus as much as Trump interrupted Biden or as don't you use that smart word with me interrupt or Biden I don't know I mean the the you don't the, even remember where you went to college Delaware State University I mean the the low point was when Trump was uh, essentially disparaging uh, both of um, Biden's, sons. Biden's sons, one of which is is dead. Um, that, that was, was pretty bad, pretty classless. And after now that I have a son, if if someone ever did that to me, I would probably, I would not be able to not go across the table at that person. So if he, if Biden had just gone over and and just taken a swing at Trump and just walked off the stage after that, who would have won the debate? I mean, it, it would have Trump have fought back i mean trump's probably he, he's like known for never doing exercise right like that's his whole thing he thinks that exercise is is you like training only battery have, <laughs> yeah you only have you only have so much energy in your in your body so anyways we, we don't want to talk politics um we're gonna have Wait, betting a, market what about betting market we, we haven't talked the about the betting market, market at all i mean i i i have no idea anymore what to do with this like i felt early on very very, I, I think I've said it, like I, I put a pretty big position on Biden um, or on not, actually on not Trump, basically, once COVID started. And when I put it on, it was plus money. And then it got all the way to like minus 150 or 160. It came back. Um, I'm checking what it is on Chris right now. I'm doing the same exact thing. What What would you make it? I mean... I don't know because I think, and if you look at like the the, the like five thirty eight and Nate Silver stuff, he said he hasn't he um, he's not accounting for the possibility of the election being stolen. Which, I mean, I don't know how you define that, but I've I've I read a really good article yesterday, um, a really long article actually about all these different permutations of things that could happen, basically for Trump to go against the will of the public, you know, where you could have um, electors go against the will of their state, right? And so if, if he thinks like, let's say Florida um, goes Democrat, but it's close and he, Trump alleges fraud, uh, the Florida governor could have electors that actually say um, Biden won Florida. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things like that that could happen, which I don't think those are as, I guess, I, those are tail risks, but I don't think that they're as big tails as, mo, mo, as most people think. 
Yeah, I mean, the line right now is essentially minus 164 plus 137, right? It's this uh, – because I'm looking at what – it's the winning party, which is probably the easiest way to do it because there's there's obviously some tail risk of, of Trump and Biden not being the candidates. So it's it's pretty skewed to the Democrats. This is as bad as I think it's – or as skewed as it's been – um, in recent times. So I think there might have been some reaction to that debate. I mean, did, did you think from that debate, who do you think won the debate? I mean, I know we all feel like we lost the debate by watching it. Um, but sure. do you feel like there was a winner between Trump and, and Biden? It, you know, at the beginning, um, I, I was a little nervous. I was just like, oh, God, what is Biden going to do here? Like, I just hoped that you know, he wouldn't be a complete train wreck. And at the beginning, he, I mean, he, he, he was not good. He was, he was awful. But the question is, how awful was he relative to your expectations and how much do you hate Trump? He was, he was, he was, a, he was a above replacement level for me. I, because I, he I wasn't I really think, stringing together a ton of coherent thoughts. Um, he, well, he, he, the problem, his problem is, so I don't, I mean, we should drop this after this because no yeah. one wants to hear us wax on politics, but it seems like his problem is not that he's senile as much as that he's a terrible public speaker, meaning this like he has a stutter and anytime he's trying to do something that was clearly rehearsed, he's, he's not good at it. And you and I having been on television and having been terrible at points on television, <laughs> we certainly can address, we certainly can empathize for how poorly, um, you know, how, how difficult that is when he was just reacting to Trump like really reacting, he seemed much more coherent. Like when there was just an emotional, visceral reaction to something Trump said. Completely agree. And I think when, when Trump called out his son, I think his reaction there was, I mean, it was forceful. It was genuine. I thought that was good. He needed yeah. more of those. So I, I, I left it feeling, but, you know, I was talking just back to the point of, of what, where, where I would bet. I think it's probably pretty close to even right now in my mind. And one of the things that's in my mind is like, I've heard from people that Kushner et al are just still kicking um, the, you know, they, they still understand how to target the electoral college much better via social media um, with like being in the right counties and winning in the right counties. And, and that kind of shit is, is definitely one of the things that helped them win the election the first time. And if the Dems have not figured out how to fight that, then, you know, like analytics and targeting and playing the electoral college versus the popular vote. That's like, uh, you know, playing chess when the other dudes are playing like checkers. What about the voter suppression stuff where uh, there was a bill that, that I guess um, was not renewed and this is going to be the first election in, you know, I don't know, 50 years since, um, since that was the case or since this bill was not um, law, but that, that basically uh, the bill, prevented or i guess it, it required a federal judge to uh, okay people going to, like working at the poll or something like that but but the big thing is now uh you can have you can mobilize people um to go and stake out the polls and um like law That's enforcement he, he essentially said that he essentially oh, yeah. like instructed his peeps to do that and do that okay we're gonna, they you they can go to to counties where um mostly minority voters, basically to blue counties and try like block off roads, basically create a scene, like may okay. have a protest. And yes. yeah, Rufus. I mean, I think these things are, yeah. So Rufus. wait, I'm, I'm going to leave it at this though. So Nate Silver says 78% chance Biden wins. 
predict it says 63% Biden, 42% Trump. Um, so let's say 60-40. Um, and Chris is about that. Who's more right? I mean, I think Chris is probably the most right because it's the most close to even in that case. Because I, I think this, I think it's, I would not put another position. I already have a position on roughly if you average it at like the Dems plus money. Um, I don't, I don't see any reason. I wouldn't put any more Dems on and I, I wouldn't want to bet on the Republicans at this point. Um, maybe, maybe at plus money. I don't know. Maybe, maybe where it is here now, since it's gotten to like plus 137 or whatever, I would think about it. But I think it's a pretty even race, unfortunately, now. Okay. Onwards. Okay. Onwards. Um, you haven't been betting baseball. You haven't been betting NBA. So we can just talk about football, I guess. How, how so far um, has everything gone? Like, have you, are you going to change anything based on what's happened so far? Um, I, it has not been good so far. I've been down. Um, but actually we have our guest on, on the line right now, Jeff. So do we want to, uh, yeah, let's let her, no, we want to leave him in the waiting room. Let's yes, just, let's, let's have have just him keep him there. Okay. We will, uh, we're being joined by Andy Molitor who runs. Is he related to Paul? Andy, are you related to Paul Molitor? That's the question we really, that's the, that's the first question. <laughs> are we going? Is this? Are we on? We're going. You, you, We're you going. We just, do, we just jump right into things live. I am. Uh, so I have. I have an uncle named Paul Molitor. He's not. He doesn't even like sports, really. Uh, so it's disappointing. But the, I did like a, some research on the entomology of my name, or whatever. If that's the word for it, or if that's the study of insects, I don't remember. You, you mean uh, anthrop the anthropology of your name? Something like that. And I, I found all these charts and maps, and like there's only like 8,000 Molitors in the country and they're basically in, you know, the little cluster of the Midwest or Germany where I've, you know, ancestors are from. So like probably, but not close enough to get tickets. <laughs> and he got you, shit canned anyway. You can't, you couldn't reach out to him and be like, Hey, we're not related as far as you know, but since there's only 8,000 of us, we're probably related at some level. So could I get some tickets? Yeah, I could. I mean, I could try see if he has Twitter, I guess. There's that app where you can like, I forget what it is. I, I was out, um, I was in Salt Lake City a few years ago for, uh, and with some people and don't Tinder? ask. Tinder? Are you talking about Tinder? No, Salt Lake City. You said some app. I thought you were talking oh, about Tinder. I don't know. Oh. That in Salt Lake <laughs> so you're City. trying to find, you know, I mean, I, I don't use, to find I don't Paul use Tinder. On Tinder. I don't use Tinder to find people I'm related to, but there's a thing. If you, you can <laughs> do your genealogy and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is the quote. That is one for the ages, Rufus. It really is. <laughs> that was solid. Uh, Andy, um, welcome, welcome in to the Bet the Process podcast, um, where I try to interrupt Rufus and our guests as much as possible and try to, I know you didn't get a chance to watch the debate yesterday, but there was a lot of interrupting. And, cut some clips. Yeah. And it really made me think that if I'm the Donald Trump of the sports betting podcast, I've got to rethink my life a little bit. And so... From this point forward, I'm never going to interrupt Rufus again. Well, I just want to say, is, Ruf, is Rufus Sleepy Joe Biden? Then that's oh my god, that's, that's a weird a, analogy. <laughs> weird, but you know, accurate. Like it, you know, very important if true. So Wait, Jeff um, is also a much better public speaker than me. He loves his rallies. That's true, and you probably I, I couldn't have a very big rally. 
What's that? Some of the, was it was it Sloan? Were you on? I feel like I caught some of that. Well, Jeff does, like, I've done a bunch he of. He does a gazillion I've, conferences a year. I've do, yeah, I do a lot of. He just I'm, tells I'm a, people I'm a, about card counting. I'm a good public speaker. I'm bad on television, and I interrupt on podcasts. There we go. And you're better. You're better than Serena Williams. When I am. You're, when you're drunk, you're Only a better public I've speaker been out the whole than night with Stephen Jackson. So that's another story unto itself. And Stephen Jackson, football, not basketball. Drinks Don Julio in 1942 like it's like it's water, and apparently an NFL player that's Stephen Jackson size can drink me under the table because that's what happened. Um, so welcome, um, thanks for joining us. We are big fans of your podcast. Obviously, we like to think of it as, in some respects, as a sister podcast to us, meaning we sort of cater to the same crew of um, you know seven listeners that uh, really are interested in the way that we, we talk about sports. Um, so it's really great to have you on. It's like this sort of crossover pod, like when back in the day, I like saw that in the group, yeah, the ER, what, what were the shows like different strokes would do one with facts of life or something like that. I mean, is this, this is probably too old for you guys. I, I mean, you guys are old enough to, do you remember the Jetsons and the Flintstones, the movie they made where it's like they, they crossed over. That was something I recorded on like VHS tape off See, the TV. It doesn't even make ago. sense because the Flintstones are from prehistoric times and the Jetsons are from the future. So how could they ever cross over? Well, there, I'm sure I haven't seen this in a few years, Jeff, but I'm, I feel like there's probably was some time travel. Time travel is impossible. So I'm not yeah, sure how this all works. Cartoons, I guess. Maybe, yeah. but you know how the Jetsons were up in the air, like above the clouds? I think maybe it was some sort of alternate timeline where on the ground it was still prehistoric times. I don't know. I'm going to have to go watch that movie now. I, I feel like it's, I'm not going to enjoy watching that at all. Do you think but Fred yeah, crossover. Flint, what do you think Fred Flintstone would use, have used more? Postmates for ordering like Brontosaurus burgers or Uber because he like wouldn't have to use his feet to drive the car or whatever. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the physics of that show. Like if if those wheels are made completely out of like solid stone and he's pushing yeah. it along with his feet, then they're big big feet. But and they were never wearing shoes, so it, I mean, uh, anyways, no one wants to hear us talk about cartoons. Rufus and I talked for twenty minutes before you came on about politics. So probably of the seven listeners that we have, there are maybe one or two left. So to those two that are are around, let's let's talk a little bit. Um, one, one, wait, wait Jeff, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you really quickly. I just want to know if that's a real house or a virtual background behind Andy. Cause Oh no, that's, yeah, that's okay. I was like, holy, I was like, I need to be betting every single one of your picks. Like it looks like a freaking model home. I should, I, love... I should spin the camera around to see like, this is a, like I'm in a tiny little studio. <laughs> There's a mini fridge with wait, some wait. LaCroix on top of it. So when we did the pinnacle podcast, that wasn't your, your pad either. No, no. I damn. I was like, damn. I, I, I was so. I was I so impressed. That was my takeaway. <laughs> yeah, I, I do live in like an old renovated barn out in the country, but I do all the recording here from the studio. It sucks. Like, I got little kids. It sucks to have to tell them like, hey, you need to like be silent for two hours in this house because I can't have you in the background. And I have dogs too, so it's so nice hiding from the family down here at the studio. We're okay um, with kids' noises as long as like you know. Because at the end of the podcast, well, actually, this isn't the case. You know, Jeff, we're also the known the podcast, I don't have to go back to kids. Besides our interrupting, we're also known for having shitty sound quality. So, like, it would be nice if you had provided us some background noise that made us inaudible from time to time. Um, 
Okay, so we wanted Andy to talk was about also known for shitty sound quality too. Oh, that's yeah. When I started recording out at the farm, we found out like, oh, my internet's not great out here. That's half the reason we got the studio. Okay, can we talk about something? Yeah, let's go talk about sports. All right, Ma- no, actually, sports, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about something macro about creating the content that you guys create and the content that we create, which we all kind of joke is like niche content, but we also like really want to provide value to the people that listen. If you compare that to some of the other shit that's out there, um, tell me a little bit about like why you guys created the pod. I mean, I assume that you're, you're a professional better that wanted to create some content. You guys started doing it. Uh, what was the basis behind how you guys thought about that? And it's funny, like the NFL, it's obviously huge. Like the, the crave for content on that is big, but it's like the hardest thing to beat. And by, by far, it's not where I make money. Like college basketball is better. Honestly, golf is better. You know, betting other people's stuff is better. The NFL is hard as hell, but at the same time, it's my favorite sport. Probably, I don't know, Drew might say he likes the NBA more, but he loves the NFL. I'm sure it's right up there. With it. And that, that was the biggest I suppose driver when we started talking we him and I actually started talking mostly about tennis when we first met just we met on on Twitter just just like randoms yeah I was giving him hard times about tennis picks here and there and we got to start interacting a little and he said like would you ever want to do a a football podcast and I said well that was back before there was a trillion podcasts too so it was kind of new and there wasn't a whole lot out there I remember trying to listen to gambling content it was probably before i even found you guys i don't know how long how long have you been doing this i'm I'm sure i haven't gone all the way back in the in the bet the process back catalog i think this is august 2017 yeah i was gonna say this is like our fourth season right yeah fourth football season yeah fourth football season and you know rufus and i have known each other for probably what, five, six years, something like that. Just a little, little longer, longer. I mean, maybe like 2013 or so, We met at and, yeah. and um, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, our, the reason I asked about it was I've been thinking about like interesting business models for podcasts. And what would you guys think about if people paid us money to do a podcast, but that like money it. went... To, Instead of us paying money, this is a really yeah, novel no. But idea. the money went to a went to a uh, like a fund each week that we put down on the picks that we were going to announce on the podcast that day, and you know basically then they they get the best lines. They automatically get down. They get to hear on the podcast what they bet on and the reasoning, and then there's some like cut we take if we win, and that's like the pure business model for it where it's like you know what what do you think i'm not a lawyer but like, i feel like there's some hoops to jump through i know somebody tried this um and ran into some i think tax issues was there were, there were some issues with uh giving someone else money to bet i can't remember what what the the problem was, but there were some legal problems in the long run. It sounded like on paper, like, and you say it again, it does. It, it sounds great because how many people out there can get down on the best line right away? Like Drew and I were joking about that one time because you sit and look at these markets long enough. You, you, you just like, you want to tell people just bet, bet the side that's going to move. Like just, just this total is going to go up, bet it. Why, why don't you just bet it earlier instead of asking people what to bet? 
and it's it's funny like it's such an acquired skill and we talked about that a lot was like know the market not the sport because the market's what's the important part but uh yeah like there, there are so many people that just aren't getting the best of the line go go ask all the people that bet over 54 and a half on monday night football how they feel about life like that well, that was that was brutal and it, you know that that number sat at 53 all week it was 52 and a half off the opener like the, i think that's the biggest part of that is like getting people the best of the number they're gonna have way better results but yeah you probably a, get you probably get in trouble but that was a funny game right because even though it it was like trending so over in the first half and i had i had 52 right so over 52 so but i was worried like in that second half, as it started playing out, I was like, there is a good chance that this goes under. Not a good chance, but a chance. And then so at one point, I took a live under 60 and a half to just buy out half of my bed and hope for a middle. And so got pr- was pretty happy about the back-to-back. LaMarcus, LaMarcus, I mean, Lamar, sorry. Lamar Jackson, uh, oh, you know, sacks that made it like third and or fourth and 300 or whatever you Jeff you and I were in opposite boats there I was live betting it I I had some you know I had various like over 62 and a half under 61 and a half over 60 and a half under 50 so did you Polish middle yourself I well I was in a really good situation if the, if the game had basically ended like in the high 60s with Baltimore winning by seven I would have been it would have been like a plus 25k instead it ended up being like a negative 7k it might have been even better than that actually it was just a uh I, I had some. I had a really freaking you, good portfolio, but were you on? Were you on, You weren't on the the Ravens, were you? I, had I took some, a little. I took a little yeah. position on them. Like yeah. I thought, Rufus, weren't you on that same side where you thought the the three was affordable? Well, I mean, I made it minus four and a half, so I wasn't gonna. Pl- I wasn't gonna play it at three. I just, especially yeah. on a game day market, like at this point, I'm I'm betting probably just like you. I mean, I'm betting most of my NFL stuff quite early in the week. Yeah, and if yeah 52 though look at that i had a 52 and a half i felt good about that i think that's i've only made like 20 bets all year you know legitimate full-sized bets in the early on and two of them now have come down to it where it was titans money line uh, at like a plus number on week one where they did not close the cover they didn't cover the closing number and now this total now where you know you know people don't people just don't want to grasp that where Oh, it's just one loss. But man, if it happens like five times a season over a decade, like that's such a big swing, and it's it's so dis- it's it's discouraging when you lose on things like that all the time. So well, like yeah. last grabbing week, early numbers is is so key in the NFL, I think. And in college too, like last week, Rufus um, gave out some games on the podcast in college, and I, I tailed them on some of them. And one was the Army team, which is a sort of a bet the process stalwart. He had it at 14. And when we did the podcast, it went down, it was at 13. In addition to that, he also gave out Georgia minus, I think, 26 and a half, 26. And you mean mean Preston gave it out for me? What do you mean? Oh, he, yeah, he gave it. Preston was like, I think, yeah. So the, the, the reality is, you know, that was still within range at 27. Um, So I got that at 27. And so I ended up with a loss and a push whereas Rufus ended up with a push and a win. No, and I so, actually lost. The Georgia line move was against me. I lost that. So I ended up oh, with a loss and a push, too. We damn just, it. Uh, it's a really bad story now. Nah. No, but I, I remember that with, you know, I am, I am one of the seven. 
Thanks. I was going to, way back to when I was at, when I asked the question, how long you've been doing this, I remember back when it was uh, Bet the Process sponsored by like the Action Network app or whatever. And then you'd you'd come on right away and be like, we don't take any money from them and we don't really, it's not really a thing. And, you know, it's just, it's just a thing. I mean, help us at it. In 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 the defense of that, that still, I think the Action app is a good app. It's a good app oh, for it, tracking it's, games. It's slick as hell, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a great app. It's the content that like we will continue to to abhor at some level. But like that's the whole macro thing about creating content in the space, trying to make money off of it, or trying to not not lose money off of it, and but trying to give you know like just everything that's happening right now with you know like cousin Sal's podcast and Simmons, you know, Simmons was like on his podcast, he does this thing on his podcast called million dollar picks where he basically puts like millions of dollars on these picks and tracks how he does. And he suggested a, uh, five point, a a tease on a five point game last week. So it was, you know, just the, the level of, you know, just, just stupidity in people that are giving people gambling advice is it's still just, it's still incredible. Like, and it's, it's, I'm not saying that they're not entertaining. Like I listen to Simmons's podcast because I find these, the, this type of thinking and the, the guests, whatever I find it entertaining, but the advice is so bad. You know, do you, from a do you know who else, TV. do you know who else likes teasing across the zero? You remember Zilbo. from the last season? Zilbo. No, no, no. Jambos. Jambos, yeah. We don't oh, talk right. Jambos. Boy, you guys got I forgot they even existed. I don't know. Do they exist? I don't know. Well, we have a cease and desist where we can't talk about them. So I think you just violated that, Rufus. Yeah, and we're I'm, get sued I'm not under that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, what, what's going on with them? Are they Jesus. still around? I have no they idea. Can, can they? I, I haven't heard about them. That was a big that was a big to-do on you know, gambling Twitter for a while. That was like the, the hot topic for a couple we, months we both and to be fair they, of- they teased across zero to get down more because they'd had those and i think you guys even brought it up like they you know that they, they wanted to put more on the vikings that week and they were stymied by their own their own rules about only betting one unit which and that's the worst that's the worst dumbest thing in betting you see where people are like i have these set rules i always bet this way and like and if you put yourself in a box like that you're gonna have a bad time yeah it, it's it's hard though right because the the chase is real um i may have uh may have gotten subjected to a little chase last week after being a little bit of uh on tilt after a not great saturday and watching my celtics lose a series four to two that they scored the exact same amount of points as their the team that they were playing um but you know, like I, I think the discipline of betting the same amount sometimes is, is a it's not it's not a horrible way to live your life. Yeah, no, you should have you should have some framework for staking where you don't you know, you I'm not I'm not advocating for a strong martingale system. <laughs> I, I've uh, I've gotten a little silly with the chase here and there. I think it was the Raven Ravens Cincinnati, I had an under strong look on an under last year, the year before, and it moved my way. I had several points of closing line value and the opening kickoff got run back by the big underdog too. So it's a worst case scenario. It's not even the favorite that runs it back. It's the underdog. So then there's, you know, the, the, just the way, you know, there's no time decay yet. The favorites down by seven points, like worst case scenario. And I remember hitting way too much on the, on the live under. And then of course the favorite scores again, 
way too much again on the live under and like I got I'll, I'll always remember that because they won like I was bailed out but you do that sort of stuff enough times you're gonna have one of those games where it's like that was a gross swing and I'm gonna lay down and I'm not watching the Sunday night game because I feel terrible about my life right now the the live the live tilt where you're starting or you're chasing on live is the worst it's the worst one it's something because you can just get so much down on that if you really want to chase like I would I may have done that in a, in a Clippers game um, when they were playing recently. I, I don't remember if they won or lost the series they played in, but it, it didn't go well, um, needless to say. Uh, so back to the uh, – this, this uh, we're talking about NFL totals. I think that segues well into talking about the NFL this year. Um, totals, overs, let, uh, fewer penalties, blah, blah. You guys have a take on this? Yeah, I liked Pozzola's chart. Did you guys see that? I, th- I think, Rufus, you might have commented on it. Um, I don't know where he's getting those numbers. God bless him for doing it, because I was trying to dig into that a little over the last week, and whatever he found is better than anything I was able to see. If they're, if they're not going to call offensive holding at any sort of clip or you know several of these penalties, uh, I don't have the math because it's nothing I've ever had to do, but I feel like there's people out there that could kn- – that do have the the numbers on this and just what your expected points, how much your expected points in the, in the game or that drive go down by when you get an offensive holding call, because it, it doubles your yardage to go. If it's, you know, first, second and 10, God, if it, yeah, if it's like a second and 10 and you go to second and 20, that's just, you know, it's a death sentence. And they, the, the rate at which they've called some of these offensive penalties this year, I guess I'm not surprised that uh, scoring is up and then, you know, I, I don't know how I subscribe to the theory or how much I subscribe to the theory of the no preseason stuff, but defenses kind of have looked a little rough, especially some of – and maybe maybe not as a whole. I'm not saying, like, every defense is bad, but anecdotally in my head, there are some defenses that I had rated highly this year that are playing down, and I think enough of them are that it's starting to stick in my head a little that defenses need the preseason a little and someone says you know the counter argument is how much do starters play in these preseason games you know they play a bunch in game three a little bit in game two game four it's all just guys trying to make the roster but I I feel like I haven't really tracked it for defensive players and maybe you got do you have an insight on that Rufus at all it's do do defensive starters play a lot more than offensive starters in the preseason I have similar yeah I have no idea about that but yeah I have have no clue yeah, you were, you were asking about the expected points for the holding, and I actually like dug that up this afternoon and, and tweeted out about it. Um, I looked and I saw that the effect of, of holding penalties on total offensive EPA per game the last two seasons was 2.24 points, negative um, 2.24. This season it's been negative 1.19, so that's been about a point of EPA. And I, I'm, I'm doing it looking at the difference between um, the EPA of the penalty um, or the play after the penalty and the EPA if the penalty hadn't been called. So as if the play had played out. So if you got if you had an offensive holding and had a 30-yard pass downfield, it's nullifying it, that's going to be more costly. Um, because that's, I figure if the refs are uh, – I mean, because no. other – I don't know. I mean, I think for penalties in general, um, I mean, yes, of course, sometimes the – you know, maybe without the holding, it's a sack. But, but if you have the holding and it's – you know, if it's not called, it's a 30-yard pass play. So um, – and if you're doing it the same from season to season, but if, but I, then I also looked at penalties in general, like not special teams, just um, offensive, which means defensive for the other team. And in 2018, um, 
penalties boosted offenses, um, offense VPA, both teams as a whole by a net of 2.15 points a game. Last season it was 2.62 and this season it's been 4.33. So right there, it's about two points higher because of all the um, extra defensive pass interference calls we've seen as well. So, and you, you brought up a good caveat on the offensive holding. You know, I, I went right to the negative yardage on the penalty after the play, but how many, how many times do you see a long run or, a, you know, a pass where the quarterback had all the time in the world? It's almost always a, a pretty positive play, like a highly, you know, added expected value, expected points kind of play that gets called back on these holding calls. Like you, it's, a, it's a double swing because of that. I, I guess I hadn't even really – thought of the magnitude of some of those plays that they're calling back as well so I guess we're, we're just in an over league it's uh it's like the NBA there's not going to be there's not going to be 185 point totals anymore it's it's scoring I don't know if there's something that Roger sent down or if it's just some weird fluke we're seeing it's not like we've how many games have we had now 48 48 you know it's not a huge sample size of yet I guess but still the fact that it's happening and it's so blatant and that the, the league usually will correct against this sort of stuff when it's actually out in the media. You know, the, some of the things like in the, in the preseason, the, a couple of years ago, they said, we're going to emphasize this lowering the helmet call. And they called it like every game in the preseason. And then you got to the season and they just didn't. So like, I, I never understand, you know, that's not just a fluke. You know, there's some memo getting passed around to the, you know, Blandino or whoever it is now. Yeah, there was a directive. There was a directive to like call only more egregious holding penalties if they weren't if not to call the ticky tack. How do you know the? How do you know this, Rufus? It was in the media. I I read an article. Yeah, but we all know the media is fake news. So was it CNN or was it? Yeah, was was it Fox? ESPN, I think maybe that's you know that's ABC. That's a liberal liberal media outlet. So that's definitely fake news. Do nothing. Which which side is pushing this? Probably is the liberal. I I think it's the refs. This could go all the way up to Trump because he did save Big Ten football. Remember, he ma- uh, he made a big point to say that, which is so, which is incredible. <laughs> so, Andy, my question to you then is: as you are making your totals this week, um, where do they lie relative to the market overall? Are you right in line? Is your average total the same as the markets, or are you low or high? I've kind of had to scrap what I do, <laughs> almost. You know, that's you, fair. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I can't adjust fast enough. And, and it's like, it's like this with some sides too, um, that have had too many injuries where it's like my numbers rubbish. Like how, how, how are you going to evaluate the 49ers last week? Like you, you want to go back and look at like the 2018 49ers. That's a, a joke Drew was kept making. Like this is the 2018 Niners. We should use their numbers, but yeah, um, it, it's going to say to bet a bunch of unders. Because these are getting these are getting out of hand. Like Cleveland, Dallas, fifty six. I'm gonna want that under. Like the the fifty eight. I probably it's come down to Atlanta, Green Bay. That fifty eight got hit hard. It's down fifty six and a half at Pinnacle right now. There's a couple of them that are finally seeing market resistance. But and I said this on the on the podcast with that we did earlier in the week. Like I'm I'm fine with one more week of overs because once we get to some divisional games next week, I think. Hopefully we're in for a nasty market correction and everybody loses all their money. But at the same time, like so, Minnesota Houston, and then you've got COVID games. Like I, I bet an over in the Minnesota Houston game. I don't know how I feel about having that ticket anymore because Minnesota just straight up isn't going to get to practice. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not even sure if that's a good thing there, or a right? bad thing. I mean, yeah. you saw that line move. I was like, oh, wait, I, I, I showed some good value on Minnesota. And then I was like, oh, wait. Okay, they're not practicing. That makes sense. Yeah. So they're literally not practicing this week because we have value in them and I haven't bet them yet. And we had value with the four and it's up to five. And so they're not going to get to practice. It made it sound like they can do a walkthrough on Saturday. But, I mean, you see what happens with these teams and it, hap- it doesn't happen as often, but – when you see these teams that get the full week off from like a bye week or from a Thursday to a Sunday, and then somebody else gets the shortened week off a Monday, it makes a big difference. And they get bet every, every time those pop, they get bet the other way. Like this is, yeah, if they're not going to practice, I, I, I made that same, same reference to the, the Pittsburgh game. I just read Chris's rules. It sounds like bookmaker will probably cancel anything that you bet on Pittsburgh, which Makes me sad, I guess, since that's where I bet a lot of my Pittsburgh. They said it has to be played the same day, and if they do move it to Monday, I think they'll cancel tickets. So that sucks. But I said if Pittsburgh opens back up at like a three and Tennessee hasn't practiced all week, I'd probably make my number like a six. You know, I, I made it a three. I bet Pittsburgh. And, like, it has to change quite drastically if they can't practice all week. I thought you were saying all the rest was good, video. though. I thought you were saying the rest is so good. Uh, I the I, I guess you know the the rest you know the the time yeah. I guess yeah semantics on that the rest as far as ten days to practice game plan install your scheme like I don't know I, maybe they're doing Zoom meetings and talking but I don't know how you install uh, a new offensive scheme or any sort of wrinkles for this game if you can't practice at all and just do one walkthrough like I feel bad for Tennessee and Minnesota in this Roger ball league that they're just going to be forced to play. But then at the same time, what else are you going to do? You can't play double headers. You kind of have to have the, you, the game, the games have to happen this week yeah. or like early next week. Otherwise like you're kind of screwed unless two teams have the same bye week. Yeah. And that's where we, you know, we wondered out loud yesterday about that. If, if when they did, go ahead with the season, say we're playing. If all the owners just said, you know, somebody's probably going to draw the short straw this year. Someone's going to have Corona. Someone's going to miss a bunch of practices and sorry, like everybody needs to just take their lumps. And if it happens to you, you know, that's tough cookies. We're playing these games either way because it's, yeah, it's not baseball. You can't, you can't pull the St. Louis Cardinals thing and just play like 40 games in 30 days. It's, it's just not that kind of sport. So I'm, I'm not surprised they're playing, but at the same time, it's rough for Tennessee and Minnesota. At least ten, Tennessee's not 0-3. Minnesota finally got their offense going, and now they're dealing with this. It's not well, fun to listen around the water cooler up here right now. What did I mean, you guys you have to so, substi- I was going to say, you have to substitute something for the unfairness of teams having to play home games in London. This is fair. This is the London game, I guess. We yeah. got it back. Can we go back to the narrative around penalties real quickly? So yeah. I have Rob's Rob's numbers picked, pulled up in front of me. And, you know, the, the false start one obviously makes some degree of sense with no fans. Um, the offensive holding one is, is obviously one of the, the biggest ones, right? And, or is the, probably the biggest one. And is that, I mean, could that just be small sample size at this point? Or you think, you think that's a directive and that will continue? Well, I mean, there was a directive. Like I, I read from the fake news media at least. So I think that's, I mean, I think that's something that to most people makes the product better if you don't have a holding call like all the time. Right. So 
I think uh, it makes it a more watchable game for sure. But I mean, I, I, I hate the penalty. I, I hate watching games with a ton of penalties. It's not fun. You know, he just gives you averages here, so you don't have, like, the full data set. But to go to have that big of a swing, even just in, like we said, 48 games, like, is that a big enough sigma where it's like, all right, this is not just noise, even in a small sample? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hefty swing. Uh, I'm just looking at offensive holding, which I think is probably going to be the biggest one. It's, you know, it's twice as big as any of the other penalties here above it, delay a game and false start, the ones that get called quite a bit. And at the same time, like we said, it's actually during a play, usually a play that has a positive outcome. So sometimes it's like a 40-yard swing. Uh, it's a massive swing. And if you're having almost a full penalty per game less on that, you're just extending one more drive. And I don't know, Rufus probably has a number for this. Like, what's what's the average expected points on any given drive in the NFL? I don't know about that, but I mean, I, I have which I, I have a query out of what uh, the average EPA loss is on a uh, on a holding penalty that um, on a holding penalty. And I'm not sure if actually I'm including. I don't think I'm including decline penalties actually because that would be zero impact, but but. And this is also probably wrong because I'm pro I'm probably missing something in, in my calculations here and trying to like filter out, um, you know, different yardages, but I'm showing this year that it's a, a, like 0.8 points per holding call. Although I'm a little suspicious because I see one of them has actually had a positive impact of three tenths of a point. So either that's, that's maybe not correctly coded or a team um, accepted a penalty when they should have declined it. I don't know which one. So, I mean, but I, I still think in general, it's, you know, about three quarters of a point a point per holding call. And, and the fact that on the, the inverse, probably it's, you know, not exact science, but defensive pass interference, somebody brought that up too. They said uh, defensive holding is probably the most punitive penalty because it, it's not yardage, but it can be third and 80 and you get your five yard penalty automatic first down. Like it is, it is pretty punitive, but at the same time, like pass interference being a spot foul is pretty nasty too. At the same time, when you get like the, the Joe Flacco play where he just bombs it deep, it's short and the receiver gets tangled up and they throw the flag. And the fact that those are up like what, 30% this year. I mean, uh, teams are dumb for not throwing it deep down the field on third and long more. I've always thought that so many good things can happen and an interception is not the end of the world. Yeah. It's a punt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the draw long. play on third and long is something to be, to be behold. <laughs> yeah. Probably never should be done. Right. gives you no chance. Um, what, uh, what, what, Andy, do you do college football? I, I don't, man. Okay. I, I, I have some people who do like, they tell me, Hey, like maybe bet this now sometimes or there's some people that say like you know hey there's some injuries here this is a decent number i bet army a lot too you know like that's a team i, I like that team yeah it's like that's a game i will always bet this is the army navy game too because it's standalone you usually got that and then like the fcs playoffs on another another tv but um yeah i don't bet a ton of college this was the year though this was the year guys i was gonna sit down in the spring and i said i see all these guys i know crushing college football especially like the first five six weeks because you know the theory is you can say well i don't know much because the teams haven't played yet well yeah you're in the same position as the risk managers and the bookmakers and everyone who's putting lines out 
Like you, you should, you can do the work and try to get an edge on that. And I think that's why people do well early on in the season. And I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make numbers. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to put college football numbers together this year and I'm going to make some money on it. And then, you know, March Madness got canceled. I was going to start on it right after March Madness. And I said, I don't know if we're going to play college football this year. Like, I, I think I'm just going to completely scrap that. So I wasn't rooting for them to scrap it. But at the same time, once they started going with, you know, only these conferences are playing and only conference schedules and stuff, I said, God, maybe, maybe I'm happy that I didn't put a bunch of time and effort because that's the thing that we probably lack the most doing this sort of stuff is time. Like, there's always 30 projects on the, in the queue that you never get time for. So I guess I'm glad I didn't waste a bunch of time and I'll just degen out with a few numbers here and there on Saturdays. Plus I do too much of this stuff and I'm gone all day on Sunday watching football. So Saturdays is like, that's the day I give my wife I'm like, Hey, no sports today. I'm family day. I'm going to work in the yard. I'm going to do stuff around the house. Saturdays it's in the calendar is family day. So I'm not allowed to do a lot. So I just have the score app kind of sneakily there for my college. All right. And just well, listen to Preston. That's, I think that's what we all do. Uh, yeah. Let's it move It on. didn't work well for us last week though. Uh, Preston had his worst Saturday ever last week. I think. Worst Saturday gambling ever or worst Saturday, like football He Saturday? had a terrible Saturday. He was like, the, the distressed text messages I was getting from him, <laughs> I was like going to send someone to San Clemente and make sure he was okay. Can you, can you read them for us? No, I'm not. This, oh, okay. is, this is between a, this is between two friends. I'm not going to read his. You know, he basically told me one of the funny things he said was he he was going to uh, tilt bet the under in the the Heat Celtics game, and he was going to be responsible for the Heat shooting forty percent, which they did on three, and the yeah. game went way over. He said he was going to ten exit or something. I think he was kidding, but. Um, it was a funny message. So let, let's go into NFL and, and jump into this week. Um, what pops to you guys so far? Obviously, we talked a little bit about, like, the Minnesota game, there being value there, but obviously no no one really understands um, how to value the fact that Minnesota might not be able to practice at all. Um, what, what, are you, what are you guys looking at in terms of where you're seeing any value this week? And that's wild that I bet both Corona games. Like <laughs> Not knowing you know, Corona was involved, right? You know, I, I didn't bet Pittsburgh until Monday, I guess Monday morning. I, I waffled on it a little. It's something that bugs me about, like, and maybe Rufus or Jeff, you can speak to this. Like, they don't open money lines in the soft openers. Like, why are you putting a plus one and a half? Just put a money line up there, too. Like they, they don't do that. It, it bugs me betting that one. And I said that to you earlier and you joked about the value of the one with me, but at the same time, finally, I just, I buckled, I bet the one and a half. And then I woke up and I realized it had moved at to minus one. So I'm like, shit, people always whine that I don't tweet stuff out. So I said, Hey, I bet Pittsburgh. It's still minus one. You should bet that if you want. And then like 20 minutes later, the Corona news comes out. So I was just waiting for people to say, Oh, did you know? Like, is, is that what you, is that what you, did you bet that? But again, like those were just numbers off the board early that I hit I, by random. I guess I got both Corona games. I liked Indy. I think Rufus maybe was opposite on that from what I remember. I bet some minus two there. Um, I'm not, Indy. I'm not. Yeah. My numbers don't like Nick Foles, nor should they. 
I don't yeah, think I, I, like I put Foles either. So, so I ran it with Trubisky originally, thinking that like they would go. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking there. Honestly, they probably well. You know, they they bench Trubisky when he's not playing that bad. In fact, I thought he, he was he was clearly outplaying Matt Ryan at that point, and and they bench him just because of a pick six, um, which means they clearly were looking for an excuse to get Foles playing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually don't. I mean, I, I kind of am upset that I bet the bears now after looking at it, I mean, I, I did get it at plus three, um, anywhere between plus three minus one oh eight and plus three minus one twenty, but I make it get one point eight. Yeah, well, what's it now? It's two and a half. Yeah, um yeah. Chris it's two and a half minus five on Indy. You could get okay. out of it. Yeah, you're right. I'm 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 eh, I don't know though. I mean at this point <laughs> like I, I hate, you know, if I make a bet that isn't amazing like it's not an awful bet, but I don't want to eat the yeah. Uh, yeah, I make it one point eight. So, I think you might find a half middle there. Be pretty happy winning a push. <laughs> I, it was a tough board this week, and again with some injuries, Dallas Cleveland has come up a lot with people. Like uh, Drew and I had a disagreement on that. You know, Dallas Tyron didn't practice today. I mean, you can just look at the numbers. Small sample size, probably, but Dak without him in is markedly worse in a very small sample, and I don't blame him. He's a great left tackle, so that sucks. But at the same time, Cleveland is dealing with numerous defensive injuries at the linebacker core and uh, further back, defensive backs. Dallas's pass, just Dallas's passing game should do well. It's a weird game as far as just Dallas's defense sucking. Cleveland's defense being hurt, Dallas's offense having the absolute nuts to beat this Cleveland defense, the pants off them, but then probably making Baker look great at the same time. So I guess maybe I misspoke. That total probably is where it should be because this game could get out of hand. I said if if Cleveland's injury news goes tits up and things aren't looking good for them and Dallas has good news, I'd probably make a value on like Dallas minus four, but it's kind of just sitting there at four and a half. I don't think there's a lot of action on it, I guess. We like the, we like the Browns plus the four and a half there that the, you guys see the interesting sort of stat on the Browns defense where they are terrible on their like last in, in points that in drives that, that don't end in a turnover. So they've, they've definitely, their defense has been lifted up by turnovers um, yeah. almost like disproportionately. Um, makes me worry. I think this game will go over and, and honestly not love the position that we have on the Browns, but you know, you bet the numbers when they're there. Yeah. They haven't well, been like, like, like last week, they, they got like five turnovers from granted a, a very bad football team in the football team. Hey, don't talk. Well, no, I'm the only one allowed to talk about my football team like that. Yeah. But Forgot you're a DMV guy. I only see, I, my numbers have them uh, is only plus eight in terms of turnover EPA this season. So sure. Which puts them in like one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, it's like 10th in the league, but, but it's not like egregious like Tennessee and Baltimore is in new England. They've been super fortunate or yeah. go ahead. It deflating balls. I don't know. One or the other. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was a bad team. You expect bad things happen to bad teams. Like, yeah, they have no – that roster's pretty rough out in Washington. So, I, I'm not a Haskins believer anymore. I was hopeful. You know, at the beginning of the season, Bates just – I didn't really have a prior on him because uh, Gruden put him in weird positions all the time. It was like, well, did we really see if he's good or not? And I guess now probably we have, and he's 
he's not very good. So I I'm I'm not I'm not super high on them anymore. I just need Chase Young to get healthy again, win some award props for me. We like bet the against them. Baltimore Baltimore minus thirteen to the moon. It does I don't You love that? Really? We we took it we took it early. We took it well we took it before, before the, the game. Before the game. It said because again we were uh, kind of Baltimore sided. Said maybe this gets to fourteen. Maybe and maybe it still does. And we kind of said the the middle class is dead. That's the new one. Last year it was uh, last year home field is dead. This year the middle class is dying. Again, we're just going to keep going back to. Like, I don't the, think you can make dying analogies. analogies in this year of COVID. You That's fair. The, the middle class is withering away slowly. But we did there's, that. There's... Sorry. I'm interrupting. I'm be, I'm... And, you, and I had a good mall rats uh, joke when you said about Gruden putting him in a very uncomfortable uh, place. Like I was going to go Volkswagen. reverse cowgirl. Like, yeah, you know, the back of a Volkswagen. Um, uh, okay. No, so wait, wait. That Baltimore-Washington line was 13 before the Ravens game, wasn't it? Yep. Is it yeah, still, it's and it's still 13. Still. That, that yeah. surprises me that, that Baltimore didn't get downgraded there at all by the market. I guess, but again, it's still – it's still Washington. Yeah, but they clearly – I mean, Baltimore – Yeah, but if they took – Rufus, if they took, if they took sharp action at minus 13 already, there's no reason for them to, down, to downgrade that, right? Because they know people are still going to want to bet on Baltimore. And then they know that if there's sharp resistance at 13 or, or lower, then why would, they, why would they do that? Well, I mean, the Monday market when a team is playing a Monday night game for the following week's game is – Typically, I mean, it's you can't get down that much on that. So I don't think they were taking a ton of – they were taking big, sharp action just because it, it's, like, it's took, really hard. They to took Andy's position. action. They took Andy's yeah. action. So. And, and, like, yeah, I, lim- lim- you lim- down lim- under lim- on Sunday. Are you yeah, saying so, he's not big, sharp action? I would, I would come over the top just like Biden and Trump at Rufus for that. So. No, and it's funny. Both it's, – it's a good analogy because – or analogy, example – both of those Sunday markets for the Monday night teams, they didn't really make an adjustment like the, the New England Kansas City line either. It and just, I took New England plus seven. It was seven. That was that was maybe my favorite moment of the Pinnacle Pod with you, was when you after we got done and you asked like, "Oh, cool, when are we going to air this?" And uh, Ben's like, "Oh no, that was live." And you're like, "Oh." Shit. Maybe I shouldn't have said. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned some of the bets I haven't placed yet. <laughs> your, your face was. I'm like my partner's like you know doing the trading as we speak right now. Like yeah. let's, we're moving that Monday afternoon. Good. Yeah. So you're yeah, on, you're on the Patriots really plus took... seven. The roof. Yeah, I got, I was on that on Monday. I, I wouldn't have played it. I, I wouldn't have played it. I, I wouldn't play it now. I mean, I make it five point three now, so that's not enough to play. You mean like, you wouldn't make it because it's juice now? Well, no, because when I bet it, Kansas City hadn't played Baltimore yet. Kansas City had oh. a big boost from that, which I don't understand if the market isn't giving Kansas City a boost in Baltimore, a downgrade. I had, you know, Kansas City played, they had the number one game grade last week, um, you know, by, well, by a point and a half over San Francisco. But, and I had them fundamentally as 15 points better than Baltimore, which is basically right around the score different, like what the score was. They, they weren't, they didn't, it wasn't, you know, Baltimore didn't, get unlucky they just Baltimore played awful across the board and that's, I mean, it would have been worse that's if maybe it wasn't where the downgrade no. you know depending on what metrics you're using for your game grades like it's hard once a team starts playing bad I don't know like bad play begets bad play and I think some of those games get skewed if you start using like 
yards per play or just overall yards or whatever. Who, who uses whatever overall you want, yards? You know, no, you know what I mean? But like, if you start looking at the, the overall yards and start scrapping out garbage stuff, you know, if you want to take that, the garbage, if you take the you overall yards, you take the overall yards and, and weight them and then start adjusting your yards per play. And you look at that and I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that makes any sense that bad play begets bad play. But once you start getting into, I guess what I'm trying to say is the the game script or the, the, the flow of the game, once you become a, a team that's down by 17, I think the grading has to be a little different on those those drives if you're doing yard per play on those drives that's what i'm saying i don't know how you do it and i don't know how other people do it but apparently the way they did it they didn't downgrade baltimore all that much i mean i would say normally if you're down 17 it's a game script that's going to promote a higher yards per play than you know than a neutral game state because the defense is going to be um you know playing a little softer but but we also have baltimore being a team that i mean baltimore last year they weren't good playing from behind. I mean, look what happened against Tennessee. Like, like they're not a team built to, to just drop back and throw the ball a ton. Right. So I think like, that's not the strength of, I mean, they're, they're the best rushing team in the NFL by a wide margin in terms of, uh, well, volume times success. So. And that's maybe where the qualitative part comes in where people just say like, you know, you can take your yards for play. You take the total yards and, and take out all the, the trash and that you don't need in there and start putting together your game grades and say, yeah, but man, they were in, they were in this, the situation where they're not a good team from behind. They're not a good team and they're forced to pass when they're not allowed to pass out of, you know, uh, non-passing downs all the time. And you can just say qualitatively, they were in bad position the whole game and maybe I don't downgrade them quite as hard. And again, it's Washington. I don't know if they're taking a ton of money on this yet. And if they did, if they moved it to 12, would there be like some big bum rush for Baltimore money anyway? I'm not sure if they're going to just move that on air. They're probably just waiting for bets on this, aren't they? I'm going to, I mean, I make it, I make it 10. I'd made it like 12 before the game or 12 and a half before the Monday night game. So you're gonna, you're probably gonna take some Washington. I think so. We haven't bet it yet. Um, I don't know why, but we haven't. I'm not the one. I'm who's, still just still. Yeah. St- I'm still. I mean, you stuck know this, in this podcast is live, Rufus, right? No. Of course. <laughs> That's a bit. Uh, what what other Rufus? Do you have anything else that you see this week with value? Well, I obviously played the Jets because you know, like Andy's smart enough to say, hey, you know, there's so many injuries. I don't know how to evaluate this team, and I say. Let's bet. The, let's still bet the Jets. Damn so, the torpedoes! Exactly, um, but you know I got some positive line move there. I mean I, I betted it at plus three, um, plus three between minus one and eleven and minus one fifteen. What, what was all that line? What was all that line move? I think it, part of it. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Rippin is coming out of retirement as a sixty year old and playing quarterback. Oh, is Rippin is Rippin starting? Yeah, Brett Rippin is starting. Uh, oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even say the right name. Like I didn't do that as a joke. Uh, I, I really <laughs> don't know the kid's name. So I know. Is that a choice how or is that is Driscoll hurt? No, that's a choice. I think. But but how much yeah. of a downgrade can he be from Driscoll? Like Driscoll is not. I don't know. I mean, he's the. Yeah, I mean, you you know that, what you're that getting. That was my Driscoll, argument. I feel like. I don't. That was my I, I argument make a, behind closed doors on that one. Like I, I know plenty of people that have Jets plus three in their pocket, and I agreed with them. I said, yeah, like just, just well, just based off some of the stuff that uh, Fangio said, and like we don't, yeah, we don't really know which quarterback we're going to start. 
how are you going to game plan then? Unless you're just lying. And then, and then he's like, maybe we'll play a couple guys. I don't know. We'll, we'll play a couple quarterbacks. He could maybe and, use one of those timeouts from the first week and figure it out during practice. Maybe they won't play a quarterback. Yeah, just maybe all maybe, maybe they'll play a quarterback on. Maybe, maybe they'll, they'll, maybe they'll like play. Kentu- maybe they do like Kentucky does on the offensive a, line. They'll use a wide receiver or quarterback. The, yeah, maybe they'll trade for Lynn Bowden. Bowden. Yeah, that um, move. That move is aggressive now. There's some. I mean, it, it flipped. It's a flip favorite off a of three. Yeah, I mean, Pinnacles minus two, minus oh seven now. Wait, Jets That's minus a, two? Yes. Yeah, you yeah, man. Hey, va- validation of my Jets love. Jets are going to lose it by four and a half. now. I know. I'm sure they will. The Jets are the Jets are Cleveland back from a few years ago. This is it, this is completely that same situation. The Jets um, are going to get blown out, or they're going to win in a close game. That's, what do you that's guys Adam make Gase's coaching career in a nutshell? What do you guys make the Jags Bengals game? I make it a pick. I like yeah. 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 yeah, I like Jacksonville there. We like Jacksonville there also. That's why I was this there. is one. Yeah, this is one that hasn't made sense to me, and I'm just. I guess I'm. I don't know why I'm waiting to grab the three. I don't know if people people put a lot of stock into that Miami game. Like that Miami has some decent defensive pieces, and that was a rough spot for for Jacksonville. I thought the offense might look a little better, but yeah, Cincinnati not a good team, but they shouldn't be laying three here. Or you know they're not a they're not they haven't looked terrible. But again, if you want to, however you want to game grade that Eagles game, like I didn't even want to go back and look at that box score. That was such a sad game to watch. I watched a lot of that because I love rooting for ties, and I was rewarded. So do I. But at the <laughs> same time, like that that was an ugly, that was a lot of ugliness. Philly was very conservative at times when when you're zero and two. I don't think you can be conservative like that. But here we are. So, isn't it, yeah, they're, isn't in the, it they're in the NFC East though. They're still completely in the playoffs. Yeah, they're, they're like a half game out. Exactly. They're like, let's play for the tie here. You know, we're gaining ground. Doesn't it feel like a lot of the people that were like advanced analytics people have somehow lost their way again? Like the the Harbaugh that first field goal that he took against uh, Kansas City last week. That was so counter to the way they played last year. Last year they wouldn't have taken a field goal in that same situation. And in a scoring environment that was going to be so high, that made like zero sense to me. Um, you think there's something going on there, or do you think he just had some strange, you know, cold feet decision making at that moment? Yeah, they have a guy on staff. That was like the ultimate me getting mad about having an idea and then finding out somebody had already done it when I found out that they had a guy on staff to help with those decisions. Like I said, every NFL team should hire a nerd who has a database of all the plays and should tell the coach, like, you should kick here. You should go for it. Like, you should be able to call up to the, the nerd with the computer, and that would be – like, they'd make plus even decisions the problem, all the time. The problem is that they wouldn't listen to that they nerd, right? Yeah, that's, that that's, is, that's, yeah. It's not having the nerd. It's the ability to actually listen to what the nerd says, yeah. which they, they wouldn't do. And my point is that, like, it seems like last year they did it, and all of a sudden – at least from this this one game against Kansas City, they they had gone back to what I would consider to be not not the greatest thought process. So, what did you think of them going for it on fourth and twenty six when they were down fourteen with like five minutes to go in the game? That was one where I was like, I wonder what the numbers say here because, like, I mean, clearly, like, you're, what's your? I mean, there, you know, I don't know what the odds are, are of converting. You got to basically hope for defensive penalty or, you know, I mean, it's got to be like what, 10% maybe? 
better or worse? I don't know. I'm just literally guessing. That, that was that, right? yeah, that that same play because you know, you, you read you, enough. What articles. about if you run a draw there? If you run a draw, you should run run a draw. Or, They'll never or see or it my, coming. My favorite, my my all time favorite play is Derek Carr throwing it away on fourth down, <laughs> the, the ultimate in just waving the surrender flag to and just succumbing to not being in an analytics. But <laughs> and that 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 field goal felt gross, and for the most part, well, no, they went like, for it. Like Jeff said. No, oh, you mean early in the game. Goal, the, yeah. the very first drive, the field goal, especially the way the offense was moving, said three yards down here, it feels like they should go for this. And, you know, I don't have all my charts. I don't have charts. They're not sitting in front of me. I don't have to make these calls, so I'm not wasting my time on that. But doing, you know, reading enough of that or following some of those Twitter accounts, like what's the EDJ Sports or some of those that actually put put the percentages to it, you know, you see that enough times, but like, well, they should not have kicked that field goal. And it felt really weird for Harbaugh and Roman to do that. And then at the same time, like Rufus said, we got to that fourth and 26. And usually I have a, an inkling where like, yeah, this is the right call. This is the wrong call. And they went for it. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, there's no way for me to just quick math this in my head what the percentage is or what the, what the EPA, what the WPA would be here. Like, I don't know if they should do this or not. I guess they, they went back to the old Flacco thoughts of we're going to get DPI here and this is the only way, but yeah, I, I but guess I, I, would don't guess a, that, I don't have a problem with them doing it. No, I would yeah. guess that, that the Delta in that decision was tiny because the, the field goal adds points in the, in the, the field goal adds, um, it's, you know, expected value in the, in the world that you're going to get two touchdowns, which is probably a low likelihood. And there's also a very low likelihood that you actually get that, so I, I would say on the, that was probably a tiny difference. Some nerd run this for us, please. I, I, well, that's the, that's the thing when it's a coin flip like that, when it's like 50%, you know, it, in such a, in the open world like that, in the, in the NFL with so many variables, like that's where it's not like what, what your blackjack stuff, like what's the, what's the difference, you know, hitting your, hitting your 12s against a two and a three, like it's an edge to do it, but not a ton but that's such a controlled environment. You know, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, and also like you're I, I, he hadn't made a blackjack analogy. It's not, it's not totally, I'm going to tell you it's not totally a great analogy. And the reason it's not totally a great analogy <laughs> is because one, it's such a closed system. Yeah, it is. A, that yeah, was, you know the answer versus having all this exogenous stuff that's not in there. And the other reason is if you play blackjack enough, you're going to get to make that decision so many times that like you can allow it to be a completely like analytical decision. Whereas but Jeff, you're saying this that was, is a yeah, closed system. Exactly. Jeff, you're saying, okay, the latch is a closed system. Football's an open system. There's all this other stuff that we don't know yet. You're saying, Oh, they're all making the wrong call despite the fact that we have less information. So I think that almost makes it, that argues against, uh, yeah, no, I'm, which, I'm agreeing, which I'm are agreeing you with the wrong Jeff. call. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you, Jeff, 100%. That's what I'm saying. You have the, this closed system where even if, let, let's say, hitting your two against a 12 was like a 50.11, you know, 50.001, you know, just the mildest of advantages, that being a closed system and the fact that you're going to have that scenario over and over and over, over thousands of hands, like you do it because you know eventually it's going to, the math is going to work out. But in, if it is like a tiny advantage in an open system like the NFL, like that's where I don't I, I don't give a shit if it's like fifty one forty nine, you can use some anecdotal or situational analysis in that case. But some of these ones where it's like 
you know, they're losing like a 5% win probability on these fourth downs. Like those are the ones that bug me. What did we say on those yeah. down by down by 14 situation um, scoring the touchdown? That's like 12% that it adds. Is it? Jesus. Well, it's 12%, it, I think, or whatever, it conditional on you scoring another touchdown, right? Like it's saying if, you know, which isn't the case. So if, if you knew you were going to score another touchdown right. after, if you're down 14, you score a touchdown, you know you're going to score another touchdown. Yeah, it, it's, it's a very significant boost. No, I mean, well, we two. should just do the number. We should look the numbers up. We're like a bunch of nerds that actually aren't even quoting numbers. We're nerds All right, last game, because we're running up on an hour here and we got to let our guests go. Last game, uh, Niners, Eagles, you know, showed, I think it's six. It's up to seven. When I saw it, it was seven even. Um, our numbers actually like the Niners and that minus the seven. Um, any thoughts there? There's some cheap sevens still, or flat yeah. sevens at least. It looks like Chris has a minus nine. Like, yeah, for sure. Especially if you hear good news about Kittle and somebody's slow. I mean, if if San Francisco gets good injury news, they're even saying Jimmy G might play. Which, honestly, in my stuff, I don't know if it makes a huge difference to me. I don't. I don't <laughs> think it's a huge okay. deal. Like, it's not. It's not a bad backup. He's a guy who's played a bunch. He started a bunch, and he's not. He's not going to like kill you. He's he's like Teddy Bridgewater plus. I think. So I'm fine laying seven here. Philly is a mess, and the injuries keep piling up for them. They had several more. Traveling from uh, even with it is a late game, so they get a little extra time. But traveling East Coast to West Coast to play a primetime game, uh, have fun with that, I guess, with all the injuries and just how like that team has to be just you know, if you want to go down narrative street, like that team has to be feeling really awful about themselves after tying Cincinnati. And yeah, it played in. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's uh, something anyone even factors in. I mean, you do it in like a short series in baseball or basketball if, if somebody had to play several overtimes. But in that case, both teams did. You're looking at bullpen or usage. But in this case, they did play the full damn overtime. And it was painful to watch. Very It was the worst. Uh, yeah. Well, Andy, seven, thanks, seven with the year. Thanks for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, thanks. Fun to have a crossover pod. Um. Anything weird, else? Like I won't listen to you. This will be the episode I don't listen to. Like I'm not gonna listen to myself. Oh, good. We can do it. Well, you lost one listener for the week it. now. Oh crap! We only have six listeners this week. We're gonna that have to go on really Twitter and chill for an additional listener, I guess. I'll listen um, to the part before I came on. I guess for sure. You you got me there. All right. The part where we talk about nothing, basically. The, yeah, you know, politics. the first the podcast, like generally, the first ten minutes are like, yeah, you can fast forward if you don't really want to hear just random discussion about yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, with that, let's end the process. The breakdown, the data, analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are but the engines running off a of leaded. 